This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate, where real people are doing real estate. Hi, everybody. I'm Victoria Clooney, and I am on the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. Today, we are going deep diving into my new motel purchase and uh, talking a little bit about my experience working with the military and how it helps me with investing. Hey, everybody. It's Danielle Chason here, and we're back with the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. And today, I have the founder of Investor Ottawa Chapter, Victoria Clooney, with me. Hey, Victoria. How's it going? I'm great, Danielle. How are you? Good to see you again. Nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got together, uh, I guess, when I came and saw you at Investor. And yeah, we had the Investor in the Oreo weekend or evening. It was a pretty big evening when uh, finally everything's back after uh, COVID. And now we're able to have these in-person events. So it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, that was it. Uh, you came as one of our, our guest speaker for Investor, and it was the very first night that we collaborated with Oreo. And it was amazing because we brought in about 90 women and uh, they all came to see you and you had a great, great speech. So it's nice to see you again. Well, thank you. Yeah, it blew my mind because actually even I remember the one lady that flew in from Halifax just to come in for that event. And so, yes. right. Yeah. So always learning and growing. I said, shout out to Mel, Blended Investing. She came all the way. She is dedicated. No kidding. No kidding. And she's doing some fantastic things. And so speaking of Nova Scotia, this is why we're here today, because you have a hotel or motel, I should say, that you've just acquired and you're doing some really fun things on. So I thought it'd be a great opportunity to come on the show, talk about the deal, talk about your exit strategies, scary times right now going into 2023 with the higher interest rates and all the problems that we have. And so thank you so much for coming on the show, taking the time to share your deal and share the project and what you're doing. So um, before we get started, just wanted to give a quick intro as to who you are and what you do. We talked about investor, but you are actually in the military. You're a lady in the military. And so how many years in the service now? I will over 21. So I'm going to actually have 22 years of service in June. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. I appreciate you and, and all of that you and your colleagues do for us and our freedoms and fighting for those freedoms. So I do appreciate that. Thank you. Um, but yeah, essentially this is, this is Victoria guys. She started out in the military. She's a, she's got a, a business with health, wealth, and wisdom, uh, which are the pillars of her company. She started investing when she was 20 years old. I wish I could say the same. And now you've just been like just doing so many different things. You've, you did short-term rentals. You've got small multis. And now this waterfront motel that we're going to talk about. Lots going on. You've got the uh, networking event out there in Ottawa. And so are you, are you born and raised in Ottawa? Is that where you're from? I am not. I am a, a product of another military family. So they call us military brats. And uh, I was born in North Bay, grew up in Germany, and then uh, moved to southern Ontario before I joined the military and then uh, ended up going to Nova Scotia pretty shortly afterwards. Wow. So you've been all over the place. Yeah. So let's talk about Nova Scotia a little bit. Before, before we get into that, though, um, do you want to expand a little bit on your journey, how how you've managed like 
I mean, you were in the military. People that are in the military do military things. So how the heck do you like go from military to real estate and still doing both? Like I could see where somebody might retire from the real estate uh, military and move into real estate, but you really, you're doing both. So tell me a little bit about that journey. It's a good question. And it really is kind of the military that propelled me into real estate. And so because we move often, like that is the the way of the military. Every couple of years I moved, even if it was in Nova Scotia, I would have to go to a different region of the province, or there was a time that I was posted to the U.S. And when I was first posted to Nova Scotia, and that was when I was 20, that's when I got into real estate investing. And I didn't even know that I was investing at the time because I decided to get into pre-construction so at 20 years old, I'm, you know, trying to pick out flooring and cabinetry and uh, doing discussing with builders how um, how we want this like townhouse to be built. And I ended up flipping it. So I moved in. And then within that one year, just after the taxes, everything was kosher. I went and I moved into a new pre-construction, which was a house. So this one I'm now designing kitchens doing the roofs, all the windows, every outlet in every room I had to pick. And so I really got immersed in that process. And uh, then I got posted to the U.S. Back up, I bought another single family home. And then I got posted to the U.S. And because I could not live in that single family home and I couldn't sell at the time because I would have lost all my money at the time, it was about 2005, And uh, so that's when I started to become an actual landlord. And I was doing long distance management. Just a bunch of kids were all trying to take care of this. If there's one thing that you do get in the military, it's family. And so it's not related, but we are all family and everybody pitches in together. And so when I got posted back from the U.S., I didn't have the heart to ask the family that had moved into that single family home to leave And so I ended up buying a condo and now I'm like multiplying the houses and fast forward 10 years later, I resented being a landlord, completely hated it. I was a kid. I didn't know what I was doing. I had grown men calling me to fix like plumbing issues, electrical problems, water heaters. And I would have to just like take every situation one step at a time and just figure it out. I didn't have the mindset to hire out at the time. I was thinking about the money. I wasn't thinking about raising rents. I literally was just trying to cover the expenses, like the bare bones. And so I decided to sell the property. And then when I saw the return, the equity actually in my hand, because I never even like conceptualized it. Now I've been investing for 10 years, slow growth at the beginning, but it still accumulated quite significantly. And I was also accumulating equity in my residential as well, because at that point I had my own residence, plus I had my investment properties. But the military really was conducive to investing because every time I would have to sell or buy a property and I sold and bought a lot of my own, I always thought about resale value. So I started to really think about values of properties instead of like what I wanted in a property. It was more about what could I sell for that maximum resale? Like what areas do I want to get into? And so 
really just kind of fast forward to my last posting, which is here in Ottawa, which I was, I was posted last year. This is what really propelled me into real estate because of the world that opened up to me. When we got posted to Ottawa, we had no um, choice and we had to come to Ottawa. It was in the, the heart of COVID, the heat of the market. Everything is like bidding wars. We paid way too much for our personal residence, but it was an emotional buy and I'm okay with it because this is our forever home now. But it really forced me to look at how do I, how do I increase my revenue? How do I maintain the lifestyle that I had in Nova Scotia where I could have a house that was three times the size, but a quarter of the price. And so I just started to educate myself and become like very open-minded for other ways of financing, other ways of networking. I didn't even know it existed, to be honest. Well, I would imagine that in Nova Scotia, there's a lot of big RIA groups. I mean, the population is a little bit less there and maybe the buzz is a little bit less. So um, it's a good lesson for those of you that are listening that you don't know what you don't know. And so if you're struggling with something, there are answers out there, especially if you know somebody else is doing it successfully, there are answers out there to be found. So if you're managing properties and you're struggling, then you need to find out more about what it is to manage properties so that you can do it more effectively. So that's the lesson here that we can take away from that, right? 100%. And it's a big uh, driver to why I'm so committed to this community now. And even in Nova Scotia, I am behind the group that is now there, the women's group in Nova Scotia, because that was something that I never even knew existed. And so now Nova Scotia has got a couple of them, which is amazing to see. But you're right, like you don't know what you don't know. And I didn't even know to look for networking. I didn't even think that that was a thing that real estate investors did. I didn't even call myself a real estate investor. But by the time I had moved from Ottawa, I had had duplexes, uh, single family homes, small multis, cottages on a lake. I was doing short term rentals, all just figuring it out. And so I've been able to propel myself quite a bit faster than most would expect. But that was because I had built up the foundation of investing and property management all by myself for the past, you know, 16, 17 years. And so now it's like this new world of networking is just like, I'm just like trying to get soaking it all in because I've missed out so long. So that's all great stuff with the networking that you're, you're growing with your network, which I really think is a critical piece to growing in real estate. And again, you're going to accelerate because of that. So if anybody can take away anything is really get out there and start networking, you know, find your, find your tribe, find your peeps, learn and grow from them. But, but you're still continuing to grow and buy and do more stuff. And you're like a pro at doing this remotely now, just from, like you said, traveling from Nova Scotia down to the States and you had properties, you had to learn how to do remote work when remote work was not a thing. And so now you're like a pro at it. So you just bought a motel, a waterfront motel in Nova Scotia. So let's talk more about that. It's a popular topic and one that uh, I feel like I could talk all day about because I just love it to bones. 
Love it to bones. So tell me about it. What do you love the most about it? Location, 100% the location. It's uh, five minutes from the town of Wolfville. And the town of Wolfville is magical. For anybody that's never been to Nova Scotia, this is a must place to visit. We've got Acadia University is there as well. Uh, It's in the Annapolis Valley. You've got all the outdoor activities, but most importantly, it is wine country for Nova Scotia. And so the vineyards there are incredible. The sites are incredible. And the fact that we have this motel directly on the water. So it's on Evangeline Beach, five minutes from the most popular vineyards, 40 minutes from Halifax. It came with two vacant lots right beside it. I mean, it just, there's so many positives to this. And of course, like that you can't change the location. The property itself, Yeah, you can change, but the location. And so uh, that's what gets me really excited. Location, location, location. Uh, When it comes to real estate can be a make or break factor. That is definitely, definitely true. So if we're looking at this property, walk me through it a little bit. So you have this property. Tell me a little bit more about it. How many units? You said the two vacant properties. Um, and we did talk before the call, you also had a business attached to this. So tell me a little bit about what you bought and what's existing, and then we can dive into a little bit more of what you're going to do with it. Great. So it's, it was sold as a motel. And when we first found it, it was a pocket listing. And my partner, who's the boots on the ground there, she is a active property manager for short-term rentals in the Valley and an interior designer. So, I mean, I couldn't pick a better partner to manage this motel physically. She brought the property to me. We did a virtual showing and it is nine units. You know, it looks like a, a long bungalow and it's the, if you can picture like the long end or the vertical would be facing the ocean. And so every unit, every room has a view of the ocean. And we have two that are like our VIP suites that are going to have direct view of the water. And they're just beautiful. It also came with two vacant lots right beside it. So they're completely vacant. And our plan is to give it a year. We really want to see what the motel brings, see what the needs are for the community, see what like the highest and best use would be for those two vacant lots. So we don't have any development plans just yet, but of course our wheels are spinning of like all the things that we want to do, events, um, maybe a center, unique bunkies or cottages, like individuals, the sky's limits for that. And uh, it was a business purchase. So at the time when we looked at it, it was actually advertised like a property. So we thought it would be an asset sale, just like anything else. And when we put it under contract, I'll back up a little bit because it is a, it's a little bit of a valuable lesson. When we, when we put our offer in, we acted fast. Like this was something that was a no brainer. We knew it was a great deal. We put the offer in and all of a sudden we were competing. And at the time we were trying not to compete because we were in there up front and, uh, we were not the highest bidder. And so I had a number in mind that I wouldn't go above and I stuck with it. We ended up becoming the backup offer for this property. And what really helped us with this property is I asked what the condition deadline for the first offer was. And when I found out that it was three weeks, 
I just knew that it was overzealous buyers that were coming in. So unless they had cash to buy this property, there was no way that they were going to go through conditions in three weeks because then we realized it was a business purchase. So in the meantime, I went and I called my appraiser, my inspector, my lender, my lawyer, everybody and their dog that would be involved in this purchase to say, I want to book us for like two days after the condition deadline. And so everybody got booked, ready to go. And then I notified the seller through the agents that we were ready and that we would be a backup offer until one day after the condition deadline. And so it put that pressure on the seller to not give any extensions to the buyers and to show the seller that we were motivated and that we were organized and that we had everybody lined up. Come to find out the original buyers hadn't even booked anything in that time. And so the seller had a lot of confidence in us when we took over and we did take over. We got it at the first price that I wanted it at. And uh, then we learned the ins and outs of buying a business because that was something I wasn't aware of. I didn't know how to do, but it didn't stop us. You know, we just kind of took it one step at a time. We got legal advice. We got uh, financial advice from the accountants. And it's kind of how I go into anything in real estate. It's just knowing what your skill set is and then having the confidence in your abilities to understand like at what point you need to pivot and how to problem solve. And that's what we did with the motel. And uh, we closed it. And it's not just like, you know, learning how to pivot and problem solve, but it's going a step beyond that and being proactive and thinking outside the box a little bit too. Like, I love how you positioned yourself to be a backup offer to the offer. There's many people that put offers on properties and they're not the winning bid. And then they just, they leave the table. They say, okay, I didn't win. And then they turn around and walk away. And you could be walking away from a potential opportunity. Absolutely. Especially when it comes to a larger, a larger acquisition. A lot of times they don't go through on the first or second or third deal. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And there's a level of confidence and experience and emotional control that you have to have in order to not get overzealous and not get caught up in the frenzy. And because we wanted it so bad. We knew that this was a great deal. But again, I just, that's been my policy. That's how I, I operate is just by like sticking to my numbers. And then I have wiggle room. I've got that flexibility, but we, we reached it and I knew that it, it, there was no end. And so I had to put an end somewhere and it, it really worked out in our favor. And so you got this property under contract when? We got this under contract, I think in August. So August of 2022. So you actually put this under contract when all the interest rates were going up and everybody was freaking out. This is a good story too. Mm -hmm. So tell me why you're okay at that point, why you were okay going in when everybody else was freezing. You were kind of leaning into it and still buying properties when everybody else still frozen and by the way or was freezing and by the way are still frozen yes so i am a fixed term girl and i was a fixed term girl during 2021 and all the interest rates and 
I would do typically three years fixed. And so a lot of my properties, I haven't felt the interest rates because my properties are fixed at a very nice low rate. And my strategies are usually around that. So I'm not looking for that quick burr to like get out of these high mortgages. I'm looking for a mortgage that I can, you know, take that time and then reestablish and reevaluate at that two and a half year mark. Because for me, I'm fine with that appreciation, the cash flow. And so for this one here, I had an interest rate locked in. So we got this at 4.95 and we ended up closing in November and it's a commercial rate. And so I have good relationships with lenders and lenders that I continue to use over and over again. This was Credit Union that we closed with and they financed. They are just down the street. They know the motel. That's the beauty of working with credit unions because we've developed this relationship and they know the area. And so they're really investing in the person and the the area as well. I love that. And so uh, a big takeaway from that, guys, is to work with local lenders, especially when you're investing, when you're investing remotely. That's the one thing that I think a lot of investors do is that they want to use the people that they're used to dealing with here locally to yourself, but not local to the property. So when you're investing remotely, you want to deal with local lenders and that way they actually will know a little bit more about the area. If it's overpriced, I've had local lenders tell me, Danielle, that's too much for that property. Mm -hmm. And so even though I did my due diligence and relied on my realtor in that area, you know, it, it, being told something like that allows me the opportunity to dig a little deeper and just make sure that it's on point. And so there's a lot of benefits to working with local lenders for sure. So here you are, you bought this property. Uh, Remind me again, how many doors? Nine units, nine doors. So nine units, nine hotel rooms. I'm assuming they're hotel rooms. Yeah. So nine hotel rooms um, with two vacant vacant properties lots. Mm -hmm. And what is your, oh, how much did you put under contract for? Or how much did you buy it for? 835. 835. Waterfront. Guys, that's under (laughs) $100,000. So the business that they had there was obviously just an operating business on the motel side. Is it seasonal? It's seasonal. So it was mom and pop operated seasonal. Um, But what we did during our due diligence was look at seeing if we can expand the seasons. And we absolutely can. The road coming up is fully maintained year round. There are residents that are there. And so essentially it is a matter of insulation and we've just ordered heat pumps for every single unit. And so while we might not go, because we're testing it out right now, my partner's out there and the winds are fierce at this time of year. So we may not go during a couple of months, like maybe January and February, because it's just so vicious and people just won't. We can't imagine people want to be out there with the wind. We can extend the season as long as we want. And if we want to go year round, we absolutely can. That's wonderful. So yeah, so you got this under a hundred thousand a unit. You've got a business, so there's a name. Are you are are you rebranding it? Are you looking? What is the zoning? Have you looked at the zoning to see what you can do? And are you going to merge the properties? Do you got a development project in mind? What are you thinking? What are the exit strategies? 
Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's so many. And yes, we are rebranding. This is uh, the fun part that I'm finding out is that uh, we've hired a complete marketing team, a brand designer. We're going through it right now. We're in the thick of it. We we shortened the name. So the name actually, when we purchased the business was The Beach Breeze Motel. And so we just removed beach and it's just The Breeze Motel. And it's something that we want to be able to we're going to continue to to duplicate this. We're going to replicate it in other areas if we find other motels. So we already have the system in place now and something that can be in a city center. It could be in the middle of the woods. So we're trying to make it neutral, but identifiable. The zoning is tidal, if I remember correctly. And so we looked into the zoning, of course, to find out what we can do. And it's pretty open because of the area. The, we're thinking cabins at this point, like if we can put individual cabins. Um, we have a lot of interest for retreats. And so people who want to do holistic retreats, corporate retreats, we can accommodate any type of retreat, but it would be nice to even have some sort of like platform or tent or use some type of coverage. However, conveniently right beside us is a center, an actual like community center that people can rent out. And so they have dances there. They've got like a little ice cream shop there. And so I've already connected with the owner and we've, you know, already talked about renting that out. That's wonderful. Yeah. If you're doing a corporate retreat, you absolutely need a meeting space. And how convenient is that? That's incredible. I know. We found it after the fact. So how many have you, I know it's relatively new still, and you might not have answers um, to some of the questions that I'm asking, but how many cabins do you think you can put on those extra two lots? Um, We haven't gone to that nitty gritty, but I'm visualizing those uh, containers with, you know how you can have like duplicate levels. So you can have one container facing one direction and then almost very abstract worth considering to be able to. So I mean, ballpark, I could see it right now. We could build another motel right beside it. Could be nine units if we wanted, but individually, we could probably do another six, I would say, comfortably, or if we wanted to have side by side. So it just depends on how we want to utilize that space and what we think the best use will be. And obviously, it will be beds. (laughs) So now tell me a little bit about the structure. Sure. And now you have a structure, you've got a partner there. Um, I'm assuming there's a few other partners that you have on this deal. So tell me how you guys structured this and especially with the business, uh, who's managing the business and who's dealing with the bookings and all of that. So my partner who, her name is Noelle, uh, she's amazing. She's got a business called Monk and Nun and it is a short-term rental property management company in the Annapolis Valley. And so she manages short-term rentals. And actually we met because I had her manage, I had bunkies on a lake. So I had these like three bunkies. I turned into a glamping experience. I managed it myself for the first year, great education, but a lot of work. And so for the second year, I decided to hire out and uh, Noelle was who I hired. Once I moved to Ottawa, we still stayed connected and uh, 
we just, you know, decided that we would do this together. So Noelle is boots on the ground. She will do the communications with all of the guests. She will do the management, the cleaning staff, like anything that you can expect a manager to do. Noelle will do that. My role is more on the business side. I took over the full acquisition of the property, the negotiations, the uh, just taking us from A to B and then to close. And then I will still maintain the business accounts, the, the finances, taxes, CRA, the bookkeeping, all the boring stuff, really. But that'll be my role. <laughs> but it's just Noelle and I. We are, we are a 50-50 structure. I love that. I love that. And so was there a capital raise? Did you use private money or using conventional money? We did small capital raise for private money. And uh, we've got, and I'm happy to share numbers because I know people love numbers and we're really proud of this, uh, this property, but we purchased the property for 835 and we have our after repair value. So we're putting in 140 for our renovations and then our after repair value is going to be between 1.9 million and 2.3. It's pretty crazy. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, wow. People who know me know I'm, I'm very conservative. That is the, you know, I think that's the military side of me. Like I need to have assurance that I, as much as I can, I'm happy to take risk, but I take calculated risk. Um, I have run this, the numbers on this property left, right, up, down. We've done 50% occupancy. The numbers are just incredibly strong. It's at a 33 cap rate. Wow. That is incredible. Okay. So here's a question for you. If it was such a good deal, then why didn't you go in for more when you knew there was multiple offers? Because at the time I had no idea what the after repair value would be. So I only got that after the appraise appraiser came in and he did his full report, looked at comparables in the area, looked at our renovation plan, like we submitted our business plan, um, what we would be renting it for or for the guests. And then that at that point, so I stayed very conservative and like, you know, hindsight, I would have gone higher. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I still tried to get money off during, like I still tried, but right? It's like, hmm, yeah. You know, if there's such a big spread there, sometimes it's worth paying a little bit more in order to get the property. So um, yeah, here's another question. That after repair values just with the existing. So after you put in the 140K um, and you just renovate the nine existing units, right? Correct. That's right. And it's a lot of it, the renovation cost was actually lower at the beginning. But of course, once you start opening walls, then you, you know, and so you have to have a buffer, which we accounted for that. And what we did find was that the bathrooms, there was condensation. So that was the only hiccup. And we're in full renovation mode right now. Like renovation started right after we purchased it. We had everything lined up and uh, they're due to be completed end of March. And we are reiterating this over and over again. And uh, so far, so good. We're on track. But the bathrooms were the biggest expense that came up and everything else has been cosmetic. And one thing, so I'll tell people we did. So we had, I mean, we assumed the property with all of the innards, all of the outdated furniture and bedding and, you know, lamps, everything you can think of. 
But instead of hiring a crew to come and take it away and clean it up, we donated and we did a winter yard sale. And it was phenomenal. We, we raised thousands of dollars from this. And it was amazing marketing because people were so curious. So we put it up on Facebook Marketplace. I've got a, a TikTok account that I'm like really putting out a lot of motel content on. And we have our, our business uh, social media like Facebook and Instagram. So we just like threw up this yard sale. And for three days straight, Noelle was just inundated with people coming and just like, she said it was like a TV show. Everybody was just like mass trying to get as much of the, the contents as possible. That's crazy. But what a great way to create a buzz in the community though. Yeah. Yeah. Make yeah. a little money and then have everything removed. And so yeah. now it's an empty space. It's a win, win, win. It's a win for the charity who um, gets the money for the charity. It's a win for you guys because you don't have to pay to have contractors come in. And it's also a win for the environment because it's not all going to the trash. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Very community focused like that. I think we've already gotten so much acceptance from the community. And it, this is very important for East Coasters. And I know you're an East Coaster and understand <laughs> that, that community feel and vibe and is so important. And nobody wants somebody from Ontario coming in and just like making things sterile and all about the money. So we're really trying to incorporate as much as possible. We plan on having like outdoor kitchen parties. We're going to have bonfires for the community. They don't have to be guests staying there to be able to enjoy what we're going to put on. I love that. I love, yeah, being an Easterner, I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. um, and there's not a whole heck of a lot to do out there. So when you have somebody coming in and saying, hey, we're going to have like a Friday night bonfire and come join the party and roast some marshmallows. Heck yeah, like I'm in, I'm in for that. Somebody's going to bring a guitar, no doubt. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And, and yeah. truly like where I come from, we actually play spoons. I know it sounds a little bit silly, but, um, take, no, you totally know this. You know this. I love it. <laughs> You're coming. We'll invite you. It's only like <laughs> Flair airlines right now and swoop are so cheap flights. And so that's the, the beauty of it for me, at least that I can go back and visit pretty easily. I love that. Yeah. And it's not a, it's not a long flight either. So I might have to take you up on that offer and go check it out. Yeah. We'll have fun. So what is, um, so that's just on the existing, you're going to go like from putting in just over a million to like a 1.9 plus ARV. I mean, that is amazing. And that is based, I do have a question. Is that based on the asset in itself or is that based on the income that it's going to be driving in? It'll be based on the income and the asset itself. So he did incorporate what we are expecting to generate for income. And then that's where like that 50% occupancy was so important for me to be able to make sure that we could have some buffer and then the comparables that we used. And then we even like lessened it from what we're, you know, we're, we have to test the market. And so we have a range that we're going to be looking at, but we are quite confident with the numbers that we're using. And we're also going to be doing things in phases for us. Like we really want to hone in on the hospitality side. And as we grow more that we can put into that motel. So it's, it's really exciting to think about the growth potential with this motel and we don't have to do everything up front. 
Yeah, I love that. I, again, like, and that's the beauty of it. You can do what you need to do to this, get it up and running right away. And then what happens is you can just reinvest, like raise some capital, do more, and then refinance it and then pay back your investors. And then you can just build on it and build on it in stages. I love that. Absolutely. And we've also applied for grants. Like we are going to be using, you know, as many grants as we can. And I think that people... There, there's so many available out there. There's grants for women. There's grants for, you know, tourism businesses in Nova Scotia. So you can just go on to like the BDC website or just Google it and it will be a list of grants and see what's available for you. Because also that is, that is very good debt to leverage. <sighs> Absolutely. So here's the thing I'll say about grants too. If you're listening and you want to Google and find out more about grants, know this, that you want to look at the three levels of government for grants, because sometimes the municipalities will have certain grants, the provinces will have certain grants, and then the federal government will also have their own grants. So you want to check all three tiers, and then that way you can really maximize what grants you can take advantage of in order to apply it to your business and make it an even more profitable deal. Absolutely. Well, listen, Victoria, there's... um couple of questions that I like to sign off on. And uh, one of them is, what would you tell your former self? Education. I would tell myself to educate myself. <laughs> like, you know, I wish, I mean, if I would have known to know that this community existed, or that, you know, there's so many variables involved with that. But had I had, like, I'm so grateful that I got in when I did. I'm so grateful. Best thing I could have ever done in my life was start investing when I was 20. It has set me up so comfortably. I just wish I did it better. (laughs) And you know what? Knowledge is power. So get the knowledge, whether it's through coaching, listening to a podcast, going to RIA events. Absolutely. You want to get that knowledge. YouTube videos, also a great source. Um, but just trust, but verify guys, if you're getting your information online, you want to trust, but verify. So the other question that I'd like to ask is what is, what is in your future? What's next for you, Victoria? Oh my gosh. That is a great question. I, uh, I will be going back to work. (laughs) That is next. It's, uh, so right now I'm going to school. That is my, my full-time job is to complete my master's of psychology. And so it has afforded me a lot of flexibility with my time. And I've been so grateful, uh, for that opportunity, but I, you know, you have obligatory service and I'm going back full-time to the office. And so I have been setting myself up business wise to be able to run and manage this business without the flexibility of time that I've been afforded right now. So we are in that hiring stage. We are, you know, we, I have two acquisition managers at this point. I've got an ops manager, I've got a bookkeeper, and then of course, like your accountants and those team members, but I'm really trying to get all of this tightened up so I don't have to be working the business as much as I am. So for those of you who don't know Victoria, she absolutely loves her job. (laughs) Yeah. And so not everybody wants to get into real estate to quit their jobs. And so Victoria is taking the other side of it. And, but you know, the interesting thing about doing that is that 
by preserving the career that you've built for yourself, you're now forced to not treat this as a side hustle. You're forced to build a actual business that you can manage. And so I love that. I love that about you. And everybody should be building a business around real estate. When you're doing it, don't treat it as a side hustle because you'll never really get some traction. As long as you're treating it as a side hustle, it'll only ever be a side hustle, right? That's right. And people that, you know, some people don't have the ability to get out of work. And often I hear that they resent it. And I just always try to remind people about the benefits of having it. Like I'm an amazing financer. I can have having 20 years working in the government and the job that I have, I've been able to finance everything. I've never been denied financing. I'm working, I'm three years away from a 25 year pension. My job afford, like my job, I'm a senior leader in the military. I get a ton of training in how to operate in the real world too. I've really found that there's a big separation of, because I've always been surrounded by military, you're just, that's all you know, and that's all you expect. And so having this opportunity to kind of step back, we have so much value to give and uh, so many skills to be able to deploy as business owners and as real estate investors. So yeah, I'm absolutely love my job and capitalizing on what I can get from my job. And now it's just a matter of making it both work. And I love what you said, that T4 income really makes it possible for you to build up your real estate portfolio because you have that income. That's the biggest struggle for a full-time investor like myself is not being able to tap into that A lender capital. So loved everything you said today on the show, Victoria, loved all the shares. Thank you so much for opening yourself up and sharing the details of your, your motel. I'm excited not only to see where you go with it, but I'm actually excited to go there. Yeah. We'll have a girls weekend. Yeah. Oh, I'm down for that. Let's organize that. Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. So with that, I'm going to sign off before I do though, if anybody wants to reach out to you and find out a little bit more about leadership stuff, maybe your motel, how to work with you about investor, about flying in from wherever they are to come to the investor meetup, where would they find you? I'm on all the socials. You can search Victoria Clooney or invest real fit. That is my alias. I one day will change it to a, a big girl log on, but for now, Invest Real Fit. So you can find me there. Invest Real Fit. And her last name is spelled C L U N E Y. If you guys are searching her up, it's Victoria Clooney. We'll have all of the information, the details in the show notes. So you can absolutely reach out to her in her DMs. And with that, I'm going to sign off. This is Danielle Chason signing off for the Let's Get Real Estate podcast. This is where we bring you real people doing real estate. Bye for now. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast and congratulations on improving your education real estate. Please leave a review only if you felt we provided value as it would really help us if you would leave a five-star review so that we can help reach a broader audience. And don't forget to comment what you enjoyed and tell us what you're looking to learn more about. As always, thanks for your support and we'll see you on the next episode.